0: Ray Berg and welcome
1: to the 34 coronavirus is a very good case for Medicare for all but as doctors we see the case for Medicare for all all the time. Our diabetic patients can't afford the insulin they need to stay alive. People uh, with chronic conditions come in late when they've already gotten complications because they can't afford to see their doctors. Some of those people are uninsured, but many of them have insurance, but they can't afford to use it due to co-payments and deductibles. Uh, We see immigrants who are afraid to seek care because of the new draconian immigration laws that put their immigration status at risk if they use public services like health care. So, there's plenty of case already for Medicare for All. I think that's the reason why the majority of uh, exit polls show that voters overwhelmingly support the idea of Medicare for All, at least from the Democratic side. We won't have a vaccine for a while. We may find that some antiviral drugs are a little bit helpful. These can be very expensive, and it's really critical that they be paid for for everyone. Uh, We've been talking a lot about vulnerable populations, like poor people, like immigrants. But the uh, lack of Medicare for All is forcing us to fight this epidemic with a hand tied behind our back. And that threatens everyone, including wealthy people and people with insurance. Uh, You know, 25 percent of cab drivers don't have health insurance in this country. Uh, 12 percent of home health aides. Um, 15 percent of cleaners. So rich people cannot avoid coming into contact with this epidemic just because they're rich. No matter how much money you have, you cannot buy your way out of this epidemic. We're going to have to conquer coronavirus together. And that's the whole idea behind Medicare for All. My other point is that these these one-off measures are great—you know, Cuomo's rules or the $8 billion that's been released—but one-off measures leave us fighting this epidemic with too little, too late. We needed these things in place a month ago or two months ago. And we need these things in place for the next epidemic and the next one after that. We need a health system that lets everybody who has symptoms go get the health care they need and get the information they need to stop spreading the virus.
0: So today we are going to speak with Dr. Ron Birnbaum about coronavirus and what are some of the ins and outs, some new information that's coming out, and the best ways to protect yourself. Welcome, Dr. Birnbaum.
2: Um, thank you for having me.
0: hundred percent. So let's initially just get through the basics. Uh, the first thing is, is, is that it's a, novel, it's a novel virus, which basically means it's new to the human species, so we don't have any antibodies to protect ourselves. Uh, what, are, what are some of your remarks on that? You know, they're hearing that it's coming from bats or that it's coming from something else, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. So can you just walk us through... Specifically, what a what a novel virus is, and why the antibody problem is so uh, makes it so much more contagious.
2: Right. So, um, a, as well as like the scientists can can tell, this is, um this particular coronavirus um, was in bats, and, and but you know viruses are. At their core, they're genetic beasts, just like you and I are. This particular virus is, is an RNA virus. But every, you know, so that's different than us. We're we're, we're made from DNA first, and then this one's RNA. So, so, Wait, so but- hang
0: on, let's talk about RNA for a second. For folks that don't remember that from their high school genetics, it's a ribonucleic acid.
2: Right, right. So uh, <laughs> RNA is ribonucleic acid, and DNA is deoxyribonucleic acid. So, so the, the what the biologists call the basic dogma is that DNA is the code, and uh, for humans and mammals and most uh, species, it and it it copies itself. That's how we continue. And then it also um, makes its uh, it can transcribe itself into RNAs, and RNAs make Proteins, right, and those things go on to make everything happen. Okay, Um, and so you know, viruses themselves are kind of like blips of nucleic acids that um, move in and out of those processes. The coronavirus, um, or the you know, the current one, is an RNA virus, and that means that it's it's sort of in its infectious state. It's an RNA, um, but then. It, um it will use the cell's um replication machinery to make copies of itself. We'll go don't won't get into the the all the biology there, but every everything that is made from you know DNA or RNA, when it's making copies of itself, there are mistakes that happen. Right. And those mistakes become mutations. And the mutations then change the ability of the organism to deal with situations positively or negatively, right? Mm-hmm. And what happens when an organism jumps species is some mutation occurred randomly. And and by the way, there's like no reason for anybody to believe this was like engineered by some evil scientist somewhere. Right. It's it's, it's actually really hard to do that. People try; they like struggle with it. So, um, uh, or or to engineer viruses to do specific things is it's really unlikely to do that. Just yeah, uh, frown by that. So, um, that, but, but, you know, one of the basics of a virus is what's called tropism. Like it has a type of cell or cells that it likes to get into um, and that it knows how to get into. And that can change with a mutation. So, presumably, what happened is there was like a bat coronavirus, a random mutation, and some event that led the mutant to get into a person. And presumably, this happened somewhere in China a few months ago. And, and so that's that's the story. So, well, but what's the consequence of that? Which is the novel part. So now you have a virus that nobody has ever seen. Some people have seen some other coronaviruses, but our immune systems work by being exposed to things and then developing and then developing immunity to those things. So if you haven't been exposed to it, then you don't have any uh, memory type immunity to that to whatever it is it's a threat and that's what Whether there's some particular particular vulnerability right now
0: right so let's talk about uh what makes it so contagious beyond that
2: so you know it's, it's because basically when, when you look at things that will form like make an epidemic or a pandemic i guess happen they have to be have kind of two features they, they one have to um rapidly be able to infect people through contact with each other or whatever the contact is and it's particularly helpful if they don't kill you off quickly Ah. so if you you look back in the history of for you know so, so like even um you know like hiv i think is a really good example of that of how that took off because it, it had a way to jump from person to person, primarily sexual contact and other things. But it would never, it wouldn't kill you right away, so you could continue to expose a lot of people. Right. And um, and and it's sort of like, it's a little different than Ebola. even. So it, it, Ebola, which is bad enough, has the very, very high case fatality rate. But in fact, that high case fatality rate, the case fatality rate is. The number of people, the number of people who die over the number of people who get infected. So it's very high for Ebola. Right. It's really bad news You get infected with Ebola. But what happens is you die. So you don't like
1: He'll take spread.
2: a, you don't go to a business conference and then like go home and then go to like a movie and then all these things for weeks and weeks or for a few weeks where you're so that. The, so in addition to being novel, it has the features of spreadable, uh, which is. A relatively high kind of attack rate, um, and without special measures, it looks like I think with regular contact, like maybe I think it's two point eight or something like that. Is every one person who has it is going to infect two point eight or more people? Yeah, it's
0: exponential.
2: Right, and so that quickly right, but you but you don't immediately get sick, or plenty of people have mild you know, infections or are they are they the infectious even before they're symptomatic, even if they're going to have a serious infection. And so that's how it it's moving.
0: Right. Okay. So in in regards to that, then, is it too late for self-isolation to be effective in slowing this down in the United States? I feel like we're a little bit late coming to that um, directive.
2: Well, all you can do is try to save humanity, you know, so whatever is done is done. And, and you know, and, and it's, it's absolutely worth looking at what we have done and where you know maybe some maybe leadership has failed us in certain ways, but um, but all we can do now is what we can do now, and, right. and I uh, I don't at all think it's too late to make a very big difference. Okay. I do think it's I do, I do think it's like the things that are very like border oriented seem to me like that ship sailed so to speak. Right. Like like I, I don't I, I mean.
0: You mean I'm from not, country to country?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, in other words, like I guess for a short period of time, maybe there was some question of like somehow having an airtight border and it not showing up here, or just slowing it down, like slowing down the show up rate. But it's it's all here now, Yeah. and so that that part is done. But I do think that I mean, most a lot of people, if they've been following all the stuff, have I think gotten the whole like flatten the curve message, right, and. Uh, we can get into what that is, but it's really, in other words, we're we're past the point, uh, the words of the people use it, past the point of containment and focusing on mitigation.
0: Right. So, okay. Mitigation. Let's talk about that. So flatten the curve. The the premise here basically isn't that we're going to slow down or we're we're going to eliminate the rate of infection. We're going to slow it down, meaning that we'll probably end up with the same number of cases, but they'll be spread out. Over a longer period of time, which will give us the chance to either um, come up with treatments that are prophylactic or a vaccine,
2: is that right. correct? I uh, know, all, all, all exactly good point. So, the, so now the idea is to slow down the transmission. Not assuming that you know, maybe assume the same total number of people will end up getting infected, which might be very large. Yeah, but that in that time you achieve some different things. So, one is right, maybe some treatments show up, number one. Number two, maybe a vaccine shows up. And then number three, the whole avoiding the overwhelming of the capacity right. of the healthcare system. Because, it, it, in the worst cases, like obviously it's really lethal, particularly for more vulnerable people. And it's really, it can make some people who think they're not that vulnerable pretty sick. I don't think people should minimize their their risk. Although there's there's other important things to know, like zero kids under 10 have died in China or Italy. That's just interesting. But people might be really freaked out about the well-being of their kids, but really what they should, and I don't want to like be Pollyanna, but the biggest thing that it's like, don't do playdates, but the reason I do playdates isn't probably just going to kill your kid. It's just like, that's going to, that may just be another way that transmission occurs. So that's right. part of the whole social distancing thing. So, and, and that's part of the challenge too with the sort of like younger uh, people who feel don't feel vulnerable is that they have a so It's like, they have to have a little bit of not to get too political, not me, us yeah. uh, thought process about that and, yeah. and, and um, about their own role. And that that isn't just about whether you yourself can get really sick. It's about whether you can make a whole lot of other people really sick, right and, um, and maybe still yourself. So so it, and that because you know one of the things, even among the people who are really sick, it really makes a big difference like kind of basic ICU ventilation techniques. Can get a lot of people through this, but not if that capacity is exceeded right right and so that's another thing is to like not overwhelm our ability to put people on vents but, but and, and how could, and what, what does that involve so that, that involves a set of machines which are a finite number, and which by the way, if we can delay this also more time to get more of that online there's also right. A f- it's It's a large but not infinite number of people who know how to take care of people on those machines and, yeah. and if they get know, sick right so th- that's right, so they can get sick and then even and, and so we do have to think about protecting people who are involved in healthcare That's been an effort that a lot of people have been focusing on, and yes, the pPE the, p- the personal protective equipment problem is related to that problem, yeah. But um, in in I, I'm a I'm a dermatologist uh, and, and so we, we mentioned that so the, but uh, and I do communicate a lot with my colleagues and and we've all had to rethink exactly in the last couple of weeks all of what we're doing I mean my work has completely changed and it's still in a process of completely changing but in one place um, I, I wrote a piece in Medium actually but and I posted this among kind of there's a kind of like a national Facebook group of dermatologists. Yeah. And, and I posted this thing where I, I said, I think there's really, right now, at least among doctors, there's three kinds of doctors. There's people who know how to manage somebody on a vent who is, is critically ill. There's people who, with a little bit of brush up, uh, could get there. Yeah. And then maybe some, and, and maybe that's a pretty, maybe that's most of the rest. And then maybe some who are so far away that it seems pretty hard to get them there. Right. And, and there's a different set of things considerations. For, I call those groups A, B, and C. And and so there's a different set of considerations for, for like a, from a workforce preservation standpoint for all those different
1: groups.
0: Yeah. So um, let's talk about the vulnerable populations for a second, which you mentioned. So these are the elderly. Um, anybody with any sort of respiratory issues like asthma. Um, I know I have been reading that uh, smokers have uh, seem to be more susceptible to um, having it go into a full-blown COVID-19 problem. And my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that it's because this particular virus attacks both the upper and lower respiratory at the same time, which is unusual. And if it goes too far, when your antibodies rush in to attack the virus, it over it overloads your lungs as well as the virus. So the whole thing just becomes a huge nightmare. Um, is that about right or, or no?
2: Um, I, no, I, I do think that you. Um, well, you said a whole bunch of things there, so let me let me tease them apart. Unpack um, them. <laughs> so, so the first one was about like who is susceptible. And then, and then that question has to be broken down is who is susceptible to what? Okay. And so I think there is who's susceptible to having an a, infection. Then who's susceptible to having a really serious infection that okay. could be life-threatening or, right. or to die? So these and, are two
0: separate groups.
2: Right. Or the, you know, and so I would say susceptibility to infection may be nearly universal. Okay. Right. I or or nobody has yet identified for me. You know, this is something that came out like in the HIV epidemic. Eventually, there was identified some rare individuals who actually, because of essentially receptor type mutations, were completely not susceptible. Uh, And in fact, those people really helped us understand some special things about the biology of HIV. Hmm. What? what, um, What? So I would say. Right now we have no data on anybody who's not susceptible to getting the infection. Okay. Wow. So then there's a question of who's susceptible to getting an infection that's so serious that they could die. And the, the clearest, clearest risk factor absolutely is age in a curve that goes upward. And it okay. seems to start in the sort of 30s and 40s, uh, maybe the 20s, but really ramps up as you go. And maybe people have seen some of to, you know so that the case fatality rate in octogenarians is like really, really high. And and so that's, and actually let me make one little comment because of where we live, that you and I live in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. and we live in, um, in very diverse communities. And one thing I've been very concerned about is that in some communities, multi-generational households are much more common, right? Right. So, so for for many different reasons, one of which is poverty. Yeah. Um, and, and so you're just more, but you have to think as, as a young person, if you're living with an old person, that you are the direct route to that old person dying from this. Right. And if you love them, you actually have to not be, be with them. And that's easier said than done in some households. So I actually really want to, um, Stress that point.
0: So, folks, if they're in a multi-generational household, they should find some way to uh, quarantine the older folk or the young or those one one or the other. Right? You're saying separate for the for their safety.
2: I mean, this is tough for me to say, but I think that's right. In other words, I think that I mean that our our seniors represent a very vulnerable population, and you you're so a younger person socially distancing themselves from a senior is an act of love right now okay which may feel not like an act of love and and so but that doesn't mean we can't abandon them either too right so that means like i literally yesterday was spending time helping my mom who's a little bit who's wonderful brilliant and smart but a little tech challenge like getting up and running on like some um, and conference. your mom's
0: a biologist too, right?
2: Uh, she is. she's a bi- uh, retired biochemist but in in her 80s and so you know my, my dad so so she's able to grasp the science yeah, kind she of gets history. what's
0: going on yeah yeah, yeah but
2: it, it, it you know she's scared like everybody yeah and and so but we were talking about you know susceptible populations, one thing that is a really dynamic situation right now is identifying other susceptibilities that aren't just age. Right. And you are hitting on some of them. So there was one study that basically said the the more sort of chronic health kind of comorbidities that you have, right? You're a smoker. You have heart disease. You have – it's a whole set of different things. Clearly, the more of those you have, the more likely you were to die. And it should be mentioned, by the way, since, you know, you and I often discuss matters related to things like Medicare for all. And there's a great quote from Robert Reich. I'm going to paraphrase him that just came out. I don't know if you saw this, but he was just sort of like, anybody who says right now is not a good time to talk about um, Medicare for all is similar to the people who would say, you know, after uh, that, it's a bad time to talk about gun control while we're doing hopes and prayers for the. Um, or he had another. He had another example of something. I agree. And, and so we have a healthcare. We have a healthcare system which systematically leads to a high degrees of, of chronic illness, in our right. populations That has in fact made our populations more vulnerable than some other countries' populations. It's not the only factor. In other words, like how your public health activities. Respond and have responded to this and just some other factors are important too. But So I think that that's clear. But let me, let me say that right now my colleagues and I are wrestling with other types of susceptibility stuff. Let me just give you one example okay. from dermatology. So one thing that I do, because a, there are a whole lot of skin problems that involve your immune system doing a number on your skin. Right. Right. And those include what are called autoimmune diseases and even more broadly diseases like psoriasis, which is sort of like a mistake of your immune system. So that one of the things that we do know, all the time is to suppress immune systems with medications in the name of people not having ongoing disease in ways that mostly we think are safe enough to, right. to do that. And this current set of circumstances is making us reassess. Yeah, this.
0: I would imagine so. Yeah.
2: And I'll, I'll add one more thing parenthetically, which is that um, that discussion is undermined and compromised by the number of experts, experts, but experts who are on, who are in some way or another financially un, um Get benefits from the industries that stand to suffer greatly from these things. So, so that has taken away. It, that has created problems for the credibility of some people who are trying to reassure yeah. people, but who in fact, are, their credibility is questionable because they may they they don't yeah, want to yeah. be the one. They don't want to be the one who tanks the stock for the, for the company. Yeah.
0: It's one more problem that's inherent in our profiteering in our in our medical system. I mean, you're right. So these folks get paychecks from whatever pharmaceutical company is in. Uh, yeah, that's here's the thing. That is going to be in the back of any physician's head, even if there's not some direct route where the company is saying, don't say this, don't say that. Like, it's, it's sort of like the same thing with implicit quid pro quo, right? There doesn't have to be specific instructions that are explicitly stated. Right. There's just the knowledge that that's where your money's coming from and you don't right. want to tank it, right?
2: Right, right. We, which is why you know, I mean, I, I um, right. I, like ethics always matters. And in these, and and, and there, and is about credibility in medicine and science and government and, you know, everything that is about whether there's payola or not yeah. changes, whether whether you believe the person even, even if they're trying to, in fact, tell you what they, in fact, believe. Right. And you're right. They, it can be implicit. Like, yeah. it, it's fairly clear. We as human beings, are reciprocation is part of our human nature, right? It's right. really hard to not be nice to people who give us
0: gifts. Absolutely. You know
2: is like a mean thing to do. Bite the hand that feeds you, all the all the all those other things.
0: Exactly. Like and anybody that doubts that only look, needs to look at tobacco. I mean, there's a prime example. How many doctor, doctors did the t- tobacco industry have making opposite claims publicly for decades about the um, safety of, of smoking cigarettes? I mean, this is not yeah, a crazy thing.
2: Right. So, I, I mean, I, I want... It, it, the, what, what's tough is that um we have to deal with the people who are out there right now right and, and and so uh in other words there may be imperfect experts that we still need to listen to mm-hmm. but we also still have to consider carefully you know whether right w- we should we also have to cross-examine some of their of of Intentions, claims well. yeah
0: in fact, you know, the Wall Street Journal had an article out this week that just kind of blew my mind where it was saying that it was attacking Bernie Sanders for going after Big Pharma because Big Pharma is is going to cure the virus, right? Well, I have two words to that. Jonas Salk, this is such a bullshit claim as far as I'm concerned. Polio was not cured by a profiteering corporation.
2: Yeah, okay, so, so no, I, I agree with you. And in other words, it, it's sort of over... It over. L- l- let me just say that there's already evidence of price gouging within yeah. relevant potential treatments, but um, it's l- like the right now the government doesn't have any factories for drugs. So if, yeah, you, if you, we're so- in a different
0: space now than we were, you know, eighty years ago.
2: I have an opinion about that, which is I think the government should consider having some factories for drugs. I but agree. That's, that isn't probably about to happen. Tomorrow.
0: I mean, Bell Labs. I think we should go back to government-funded research. In a sense, I mean, we the government still funds research via the NIH, etc. When they give money to universities, etc. But it's still contaminated with pharmaceutical money and other corporate money. It's not. It's not as clean as it used to be, or as it as it once was. And a lot of these medications, you know, you get into this area where these pharma companies are only interested in patents and keeping their patents protected for decades on end. And it becomes a problem. I mean, insulin's a great example, not to diverse from the conversation. But why is insulin being marked up? To, I mean, does it cost more to make insulin at this point? Yet these pharmaceutical companies have, are charging four times what it used to. You know, I mean, this is it's egregious.
2: Well, you, again, you said a whole bunch of things there. So yes, like price gouging prior to COVID exists, and it's in fact currently happening with COVID. Yeah. Um, and it's a and it's egregious. Um, but let me actually even go a step further on the research thing, which is that the the ph- pharmaceutical companies do do some research and development Mm -hmm. but still overwhelmingly publicly funded research is the most important research and in the united states that's through the mechanisms of the national institutes of health yeah and yes it has some problems as you said but in fact overall we have a problem in the united states um, with research of of uh the socialization of of research risk and the privatization of profits in, that is in, exactly
0: right say that again
2: so and i didn't come up with this on my own but it's it's it, the it's, it's the socialization of risk and the privatization of profits and that and and in fact the big so Pharmaceutical companies spend more on on uh, marketing than they do on research. Yeah, but but they do have the factories. So so we just like so, it is. It's not you know, it's not wrong to criticize them and work with them at the same time. And it and like that's just what we're going to be doing. Right. So. As yeah.
0: we try to fix these problems, I'm I'm a big believer in Medicare for all. I know you are as well, and th- these are the reasons why it's so so important. I want to talk about ultraviolet light for a second because this has been shown uh, to kill the virus. It-
1: yeah, uh,
2: yeah, uh, yeah, yes, and so, um, and th- so, one of the things about. I mean, obviously, part of the success of this virus, in terms of its own evolutionary success, mm-hmm. rapid evolutionary success, is its ability to survive in a set of different conditions, yeah. and survive in different ways that allow for for transmission between people. Um, and and in fact, a lot of people. There was a, we, we were looking at this for a second before the interview, but. There's a New England Journal of Medicine study that just came out that really looked hard at survival on different surfaces. And, and some of this knowledge has gotten disseminated pretty, pretty impressively quickly. And uh, some of it is that, is that, surprisingly, it lives kind of just fine on plastics and steel for a while. And actually, it's like on cardboard and copper and some other things, it goes away a little faster, but still like 24 hours. And it can still hang out in the air as an aerosol for a few hours um and so it, it, it's um but on the other on the other hand there there are clearly things it it's rna itself is actually less stable than dna is dna right. is tough. rna is a little less stable and so there's lots of things that inactivate rna and anybody who's worked in the lab and i used to for many years and has worked with RNA, knows that sort of like if you look at it the wrong way, or you like, like you could, it was so easy to ruin experiments that involved RNA that it's, this, for me, there's sort of like this deep irony in this. Yeah,
0: no kidding. <laughs> it's so, deep so, irony.
2: But, but to, to your point, heat, y- y- you can denature these things, really. You can kind of make them, like hot water or hot anything will make these things disappear. But ultraviolet light also seems to be good at just kind of making these things fall apart. Mm-hmm. And, and so what, what, So what's ultraviolet light? Well, it's light that's like a wavelength that's below the um, spectrum of what we can see with our eyes. But it, it's, and it's, you know, it's what's in a tanning bed. Doctors use it for certain, you know, treatments. But God has provided ultraviolet light for us from the sun. So, in fact, we know that same ultraviolet light, which can, you know, cause, we sometimes worry about burns and skin cancer, but it's rough on the virus. Mm -hmm. So this is, because it is safe to do, um, it doesn't give me much pause to recommend to people that if you're kind of unsure about something, leaving it out in sunlight may be helpful. it. It, It certainly won't be hurtful. Right. And other sources of other sources of ultraviolet light have are used. You know, like there some restaurants and stuff, which are obviously are all closed now, but have used like ultraviolet light to over. You know, it, well
0: the heat lamps. Say this,
2: if 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 you've ever heard the expression, sunlight is the best disinfectant. Yeah. that is what this is talking about. And it isn't just about illuminating things, it is actually about ultraviolet light from the sun. Um, So I think that's something people can take home.
0: Excellent. So there's also some current trials underway that we're going to talk about in a second. But I also wanted to go through some of the things that are coming out on the internet. The internet is great for information. It's also great for maybe not so good information. So I wanted to go through some of the things that I've read and um, see what your opinion on that is whether it's good, bad, or just indifferent, no idea. Um, One of the things that's been thrown out there is is taking zinc, which in a way makes sense because it's the main ingredient in Zycam, which lessens uh, flu symptoms or cold symptoms. I don't think that anybody's touting this as a way of prevention or cure, but maybe a way to lessen symptoms if you get them. Would you think good, bad, indifferent?
2: In different bordering on good. so let me just say like okay. just for my own <laughs> i'm not supplementing zinc um but i i it is the case that zinc is um uh, a beneficial sort of like cofactor in various immune processes okay and that is relevant to some some work that i do that's unrelated and uh so i would i certainly would not object okay and and, and, and one of the things we have to know is that like you know, I don't take zinc myself when I have a cold. What I usually do when I have a cold is just have a cold and then it goes away. And, and I, that's just like honest, that's what I do. But because this is different, people might do some different things. Right. And that's an example of something where I think the benefit, I, I mean, I wouldn't like bum rush the stores for zinc and my like, kids hard. but if, if you already were inclined to do that, I, I, I would, I'm for it.
0: Okay, so yeah, don't hoard it like toilet paper, right? <laughs> yeah so the yeah. other one i wanted to bring up is quinine so uh, why this matters there's uh it's it's a drug that's used to treat malaria right antiviral the synthetic i'm gonna mess this name up is the synthetic is the hydroxychloroquine i think am i saying that right yeah uh, but my my question is this um i know that that's technically being used to treat COVID 19 but quinine, which is the more natural form, is being sold in a, uh, a medicine, a homeopathic medicine for leg cramps. So, but here's the thing I'm understanding is that if in high doses, quinine can actually be deadly. So do you have any thoughts on that?
2: Yes, so, so um, let's back up to uh, a couple steps. So one is that, um, There are a set of long standing medicines um, that have some shared chemical structure and then the shared name structure, which have the word quine in them. Okay. And those involve, um, and those have been around for decades and decades, and they have a role in um, treatment and prevention and still do of treating and preventing malaria. Mm And one thing that malaria shares with um, malaria is not is a is sort of a parasite. It's a unicellular parasite. It, it's DNA based. It is not a virus. It's something right. completely different.
0: That's a good point to be making.
2: But but it it is uh it's it is an intracellular parasite. So it gets inside cells, specifically uh, depending on the types of malaria, like red blood cells and liver cells. Mm-hmm. And so. It's never been totally, I, I, I'm not, it's been a while since i have kind of really aware of all of its mechanisms because I'm not a don't treat malaria in right. my work a lot, et cetera. But it, it probably has some function that is about getting cells themselves to kill their own intracellular parasites. And that's the basis for the idea that it might be have some value okay. as an antiviral. And then there, there have been a little rapid fire group of studies that have come from China and then some kind of commenty things from France and some stuff that was looking at the coronavirus, the SARS coronavirus, right. the first one.
0: The first one, that,
2: yeah. You know, of a, of, that was a while ago. That, and, and, and then some other in vitro things and some combinations with some other medicines that, let me say honestly, have shown promise.
0: but that haven't been
2: studied at broad levels. So what um, I can tell people that there's some pretty fast moving things going on. So I got an email that I saw a day or two ago, you know how time, it's hard to keep track of time with all this, that had a, um, a study from the University of Minnesota That was like if you believe you have been exposed because you were around somebody who had COVID, or you were health, like you, or you had symptoms and were anybody, or were a healthcare person who had clearly been taking care of somebody who had it, then you would you could send them an email and they would enroll you in this study and right away, and then by Monday or Tuesday they're going to ship you hydroxychloroquine. Okay. Now, Now these things, so the the medicines that have been involved, chloroquine hydroxychloroquine, the z medicine is zithromycin, which isn't an anti-malarial. And, and so I have to, we have to be cautious, which it, it isn't right for everybody right now to say, everybody should be stockpiling these things, right. and they should, um, like, take them, or, but l- let me, and there, in fact, some of these medicines are also needed for people with other diseases. Right. Some, not all of those diseases might, in fact, be as important as dying from this. So this that's not a total simple issue in and of itself. But it's hard to make any kind of public recommendation okay. yet on either using these for treatment or prevention. And they all, and even the ones that are out there that are like a, kind of approved medications, chloroquine, hydroxychloroquine. Chloroquine is, by the way, where the the one where the manufacturer has probably been already in price gouging.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I read about that. The price, they marked it up already. Yeah. So I think, yeah. I think the internet, some, some sites on the internet, not all of them were saying that quinine could be used as a prophylactic thing. And well, I, I doubt me, that's I'll, true. I'll get,
2: to, I'll get to quinine in a second because right? like, there's a little bit of quinine in like club soda. Yeah, you know, yeah there is. It taught it And I never yeah. really understood <laughs> that. It, it like comes from some, you know, but, um, basically, um, it's one thing for somebody to take something, and another thing for somebody to say everybody should take something. Right. You know, there's there's some, there, because these medicines also have you know in the right in the right circumstances actually have some real really significant side effects. Yes. Like cardiac side effects yeah. and stuff like. That. So it 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 shouldn't be viewed as like just panacea for everybody. So then you have that thing quinine out there, which is not an FDA. It's not. It, it it's it is available like i said in like club soda and stuff and i can't really tell everybody to start drinking club soda I, i'm not going to do that but like it, you're right it seems like it's available in some other forms yeah and i have you. i, I know,
0: know they sell it for leg cramps in, in a some sort of homeopathic formula
2: yeah so i can't with any confidence yeah. tell people to take that or okay. It's, so stick with the zinc called, and Digital. I don't lineup. know what too much of it, what a too big a dose is. I yeah.
0: no, I think it could be harmful. My lack
2: of knowledge, like it's yeah. it's worth looking at, but it's, that's where I am today.
0: No, I think I agree with you on that. Um, superfoods. I mean, this seems like a a no brainer in many ways. Oranges, apples, berries, anything that has a high amount of anti inflammatories in them. Eating a lot of that.
2: Well, let me say two things. I'd say probably like you got. First of all, you got to eat something. And so, um, and 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 so maybe my answer to those is kind of like zinc, which is like nobody knows if like eating more oranges is better for your COVID risk. Like nobody can honestly say that.
0: It's not going to harm you, yeah. But
2: but, um, but so you know, but you know, when evidence is less, but safety is high, it's reasonable to do certain things, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, most people just don't die of eating too many oranges. Right. And, right. and so it's hard for me, but, th- but you Is also there like a-
0: Pascal's wager, it's not going to harm you if you do it. So why not do it? <laughs>
2: yeah, I love that. That's it. That, yeah, exactly. Actually, I, I think a lot of people are finding religion right now for yeah. the exact same reason. Um, I've noticed my, even some of my own posts have had taken on a slightly more religious 100%. Uh, tenor, but it, um, One, but you actually, uh, there's some other little nugget that you mentioned there, which is anti inflammatory value. And and in fact, that's a question which is, is inflammation good or bad? Right? Because inflammation is our immune system fighting off, inflammatory mechanisms are how we fight off stuff. But going back to way earlier in the conversation, in some viral infections, the damage it's done to organs is related to too much of our immune system um, doing its numbers. So, in unrelated things, for example, viral hepatitis, which is a DNA virus, you know, like hepatitis B, it's a it, it totally different matter. But most of the damage it does done to your liver it isn't the virus, it's what your immune system does right. to the virus infected cells. It kills too many of them.
0: It goes too far. Yeah. Yeah, And in fact, I was reading something about that was one of the problems with the really severe extreme cases was that blood was getting leaking into the, the uh, lungs because of the uh, too much inflammation.
2: Right. So, so if what you have is a whole bunch of infected lung cells, and then your, and your immune system is trying to, to kill those cells to kill the virus, because that's how we kill a lot of intracellular stuff. We actually kind of get the cell that's infected to sort of kill itself and everything in it. Um, it's one of the mechanisms. It's, it's not the only one. So that, so that, you know, one thing I was looking at right beforehand, before we looked at the, uh, before we got on, was a Lancet uh, respiratory medicine study. So Lancet's a, a journal group from England, very important one. and. I, so glucocorticoids. So it, we all make this thing called cortisol, right? Which is yeah. comes from our adrenal glands, and it's part of quieting our immune system. And then sometimes, uh, and, and certainly dermatologists and other kinds of doctors use cortisols of various kinds to calm immune systems in different ways. Sometimes okay. stuff we put on people's skin. Sometimes stuff that, and then sometimes in the form of pills for a bunch of diseases. And one of the things that was in this list of things that this group published that they thought wasn't working was giving people systemic glucocorticoids who are sick. And you could see how it could go either way, right? Like, you could say, like, well, so, so, I I mean, to tying it back to the foods, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think nobody knows any dangerous foods right now. Uh, And and we did talk a little bit about, like, the surfaces of things and just, like, you know, washing them and, and being a little cautious, but um I, I I don't think people should either view like, oh, I'm gonna use diets to survive this yeah. in the face of other kind of recommendations. Yeah. Nor that they should be like crazily cutting out foods until there's any more information than we have right now.
0: Right, right. No, that's fair. Um I wanna talk about masks for a second. I know that. Uh, these are sort of the basic masks that you can still buy. They're obviously not as good as the what is the N95, whatever the- uh,
2: Yeah, is that not an N95? I, I can't- I don't I think of... it is. Okay.
0: It's just a, a common one that you can buy online or at Lowe's, whatever. But so my question is this, Um, I would imagine that this affords some protection. My understanding is the size of the virus is like, you know, one micron versus the ability uh, the the weave on here might be three microns or something like this. So obviously the virus is smaller than... But but my understanding is 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 if like a, a hundred of these smaller viruses rush the surface and they're trying to crowd in, this at least provides some protection. Not a hundred percent, but it's um, better than nothing at all. Would you say that's right, or what are your thoughts on that? Should folks be getting these and using them?
2: Yeah, well, I, I actually, I I mean, I don't know if you, if I mean, Lowe's is in. Well, actually, no, I think Lowe's is open. I think hardware stores are open, but. I'm not. Sh- I think they're all sold out. I could be wrong. Oh,
0: probably. But I,
2: I, I think Everybody's that might. Be. them now. <laughs>
1: but, but,
2: but
0: I have well, the well, last mask in the city of L.A.
2: Yeah, yeah. But I. So it's a really good question. So one. Um, it's a little bit. It kind of reminds me of, a little bit of the seatbelts thing, right? Okay. So. If you. It, it, and maybe we don't totally know, but it, it, it is probably the case that something that reduces your total viral exposure, even if it doesn't eliminate it, right. increase it, it may be beneficial, um, but it may not be beneficial if, if it gives you a false sense of security.
0: Oh, that's a good point. But-
2: so, or, or actually, I'll even use a dermatology example. We tell people to use sunscreen, right? But really, sun avoidance is better than sunscreen. So, sunscreen is a filter that filters out ultraviolet light, and and so, but avo- like not going out in the sun is actually better than sunscreen. So, it, but on the other hand, if you're going to go out in the sun, does it make sense to to use right. sunscreen? Well, it does. It, for, and or and actually, clothes are even better, right? So, getting to this discussion, if um it. I would probably, if given the choice of something versus nothing and a possible exposure, I think I would go with something.
0: Right, okay. Um,
2: But if it's giving you a sense of like you're totally safe.
0: Yeah, it's not. Yeah, don't use this as an example to wander into a bad environment intentionally. But I'm I'm wondering if you're going to the grocery store, you have to go, right? You have to make your few trips that you have to make. Is it helpful? Or if you can't buy a mask, is it helpful to wrap a scarf around your nose and mouth.
2: No, I, 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 think that it, I think that if you were going to make the trip anyhow, I, th- again, this is, I, I'm going to say decreasing, anything that decreases the load probably and is otherwise safe but is not convincing you to do very unsafe things otherwise okay. is worth it.
0: OK, excellent. So, I think that sounds mm-hmm. about right. Um, I want to talk about the current trials that are underway. Obviously, um, part of flattening the curve is, is that it's going to give us time to come up with either prophylactic treatment um, for, for those that are sick and hopefully a vaccine that will uh, prevent transmission of the virus. So there are several different things that are in the works right now. And it's my understanding that in some cases, they're jumping through uh, phase one or phase two trials to go to phase three just because of the time frame. So can you talk with us a little bit about what is going on in that area and anything that you think might be promising?
2: Uh, I, I know less than I wish I did right now about ongoing trials. Um, but, so I'll just tell you, like, I'll tell you um, a few things that I know, but I, I think I've kind of fairly limited knowledge because I am i mean, I'm not- You're like, not an, an
0: epidemiologist. I, I, I get, get it, but so you're a yeah, yeah. doctor, so you're my
2: doctor. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm just going to tell you a couple. So, like I said, there um, and some of the people posted there. There, there, there was there's some small data, very small group of uh, using the combination of azithromycin and hydroxychloroquine, but it looked I would say it looked promising, um, and I'm sure that that will occasion study right now. Okay. Um, but it was just a really small and, and again, you, you, so there's that. So then, but I, I was starting, um, I'm not sure if I got fully into this, but on Friday or Saturday or something, I got an email that said, oh, uh, no, I, I think I mentioned this, that said like there's a study of hydroxychloroquine against randomized against just some vitamin um, oh. as a sort of placebo, but at least yeah. maybe some value. Um, and that, um, it, it is actually happening with people getting sent medications by mail from the University of Minnesota at, um, as early as Monday or Tuesday. Okay. And that's meant to look at people who are exposed and see if they did better than if they, uh, if from one of those versus the other interventions, which is what you do when you don't know if people would, would benefit. Um. So I don't, though, have, like, broadest eyes on all of the, I mean, there's, there there is more, there's the, now I'm forgetting the name, there's a one of the antivirals, forgive me if this is one of the antivirals that begins with R
0: yeah isn't that um, wait i read something that it was a, a hiv treatment or so that's being tested is that the one you're referencing
2: yeah it's like rims yeah something here, but and so i'm embarrassed that no, i don't no, know
0: don't be i don't remember, remember what most, it's, it's called either but i did it. read something about that
2: mm-hmm. um yes and there, so there's there i i i know that like you know everybody who thinks about drugs and making drugs in this situation is thinking about every possible thing that right. they can think and so me just being like one community dermatologist in Los Angeles is doesn't have his eyes on all those. Things, trying to read as much as I can.
0: So they'll come up with something, though. And I'm hoping that they have ideas on uh, vaccines, because I think that's going to be necessary at some point. If we can flatten the curve long enough to the time frame with. And But here's the thing. I think people need to wrap their heads around this, Dr. Birnbaum. We're not looking at an eight-week period here. I think people are not kind of realizing that we're going uh, into a whole new way of life for probably what's going to be a year.
2: Yeah, I mean, to figure out the whole time frame, I think nobody can. I mean, this is, is such a dynamic situation. But, yes,
0: dynamic is shifting. But,
2: but let me, if you just look at those little graphs of the of the curves, they tell part of this story very clearly, but it doesn't get emphasized very which is that if um, if a lot of people get infected quickly, some of whom die, and others recover and maybe then have, we hope, durable immunity, this will be done quickly. But if we achieve the social goal of um, this, or the the, the the goal which we think is the right thing, which is social distancing, to slow this all down, it means that this will be teased out over a much longer period of time, and even we'll be considering the possibility of if somebody gives the all clear too early, that we right. create a second spike or something like yeah. that. And, back and where so, we
0: started, right? And
2: so because of that, the possibility that this goes on for months and months does seem to me quite possible.
0: Yeah, it and does to me too.:
2: I think that there's all the things that are like, well, we're on lockdown till April 19th. I think people should take that as at least April yeah. 19. And, and that, in fact, the decisions that the it might, as hard as they were to make these sort of like lockdown decisions, the all clear decision is going to be a really difficult decision for people. And um, and so uh, I, I think it's right that people should um, should view this as as difficult as that is, as kind of indefinite, yeah. But that's what it is. It's indefinite. It's not definite when it's going to end. It doesn't right. mean it's not going to go on forever. Let me just say that. But it it doesn't strike me that it's like a handful of weeks.
0: Uh, yeah, it doesn't me either. I, d- I just don't see how you could get through the entire pandemic that way, especially if we are flattening the curve. It, you know, but this makes sense to me. It, in the long term, you're going to save lives that way. I think that's the bottom line, and I also believe that you know they're also looking for the future for herd immunity, immunity, meaning you have a certain amount of folks that are going to get a vaccine, and and get durable that way, and then you'll have another amount of folks that have have already had the virus and have the antibodies. So there's this whole thing needs to play itself out, uh, but if if we don't do that, Dr. Birnbaum, the opposite is we have this huge spike, right? we're going to lose a lot more folks. I mean, that could be more like the 1918 pandemic, right, where just a vast proportion of folks um, die. And I also think, you know, we've seen these um, estimates where they're saying globally 80% of us are going to get this uh, virus. That's that's crazy, 80%. Now, that doesn't mean everybody's going to get sick and everybody's going to die out of those, you know, but, but that's still, that's pretty widespread. That's
2: I don't think right. we've seen
0: anything like this in, it's a new area, I think, especially for the young ones in their twenties. I mean, they can't even imagine,
2: right? And, and, and one thing too is that we we um that's right. It, I I do in other words, like all of this stuff that's sort of like oh, you know, like it, it's just like another flu or whatever. Like that's not that that's wrong, and because it, wrong. what it does is it ignores these yet fully defined case fatality rate and the high infectivity of this. Yeah. And so you know, if you just look um i mean you know at the united states um and you say you know there's like whatever three, three or four hundred million people and if 80 percent get it and then you know even if it's a sort of a, a, a small like a fraction of one percent even who die from it but that's
0: it's quite a few st- people
2: th- that that still is like still like 2
0: million or so, right? Thousands,
2: and stuff like that, right. And so um, th- therefore, I think that the buying of time has so many different potential yeah. values. And that's why I think the responsible people in government have really shifted to that. It's also, if you want to look at the counter example, they've now shifted back. But in, in, um, in the United Kingdom, briefly, Mm-hmm. It looked like they were headed in the other direction. Yeah, and the, you know, there's this expression I hear a lot. Um, it's interesting to think about, like how language affects how people, how what's in the language affects how people think. But if you're around people like from the United Kingdom, there's this expression. I'm going to get it sort of wrong. But they say like, "Let's just get on with it." Yeah, right? Something like that. It's sort of like, "Let's just like, it, like we're all going to get
0: sick. Let's just do it."
2: Right. And, and they literally, it looked like that was their public health strategy for a Which week. Which is
0: just there. scary. Yeah. And,
2: and they were like, yeah, so let's just have the, let's just keep the Premier League going and let's, uh, you know, have this like royal ascot or whatever <laughs> event. And, and then I think they had to reconsider in the face of the, maybe that that one's a good idea. Yeah. And I think Not a good idea. much time about But it, it also just shows that like there's a lot of different ways to think about these things. And Nobody, no, like, good and bad ideas are coming, you know, and yeah. and, um, and new things are occurring, literally occurring to people every day, yeah, or every hour. And um,
0: well, every time I log back into the internet, the death toll increases and the infection rate increases exponentially. So, and I feel like in the United States, we're just at the very beginning of what we're going to see happen here. I don't think we've begun to um, we're still climbing that that curve you know so let me ask you this what if you had some final tidbit of advice to give to folks um what would that be
2: um take take the social distancing matter seriously yeah. even within your family
0: yeah no that's the key even within your family especially if you have elderly folks uh in your house
2: Yes, and and especially, especially with, yeah, I feel like that may be one underappreciated part of this. Um, You know, there's there's so much human stress and suffering and that is, you know, also, I think also people shouldn't forget, so family has certain challenges, but also I have a great deal of sympathy for all the people who are socially distanced and are on their own. Yeah because the lack of like, you know, you you know, when you like solitary confinement is a cruel and unusual punishment, honestly, in the jail system. And there are a bunch of people experiencing solitary confinement right now. And, And so that's also maybe just another thing, but
0: yeah, you know, but that's why we have technology. Stay in touch with your friends. We, you know, like we're doing, you, even though you're in LA, we chose to do this over Zoom because that yeah. was the smart thing to do, right?
2: Yeah. Socially, I, oh, this socially distanced love is the yes. order of the day. Socially distanced love is the order of the
0: day. Well, thanks for coming on and discussing this stuff with us. It's uh, really helpful. I think more folks will have a clear understanding of what's going on, where we're headed. And I'm going to have to have you come and talk to us again in a couple months and see where we're at.
2: Um, and stay safe. In,
0: You're out there at you, the clinic still. You're still seeing your clinics, right?
2: Yes, um, we safe. are. Um, we're we're completely reorganizing different things that we're doing. Some things with telehealth, but I am still like like my I am a doctor, and my job is to take care of people in need and 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 not harm them too. And and so people like um, and, and also have to view myself as a public resource of. Of a provision of help of somebody who can provide health care too. So I need to be well, but th- that doesn't mean just like for me to hide like in a cave till this right. is all over. So, but I'm that's what the work of me, the sort of organizational work within the, and I work in more than one place. No,
0: I know you do. I've been
2: wrestling with really hard over the last week is reorganizing those things. So, what visits need to happen? What don't need to happen? What can be changed to doing telehealth? And how, And and the fourth one I will add is how can a non-intensivist like me support the intensivist community so that they're not burdened by things that I can do well? I'll give, give you one example of that that I'm trying to kind of get pe- more people. So normally, let's say you get a, um, a laceration. Uh, let's say you get a laceration. You cut. You, you cut. You're at home. You got to you, you cut yourself with an avocado, cutting an avocado, and what you might normally do is like go to an emergency room, right? Because th- there's not a lot of like, and and, and it's to get your skin sewn. Yeah. And like, I really know how to sew skin well. I'm really good at it, and I and I'm and so is most of the people who do what I what I do. But yeah. we don't usually deal with lacerations because those are emergency things. They usually go to the emergency room first. They take care of them there. It, it, the flow of our system has to change. So yeah I that makes sense. That we, we have a set of problems where some kinds of specialties change their role. They become to the death. source of diversion. Yeah. But it's been actually hard for me to make these cases to people because obviously the people who are doing big planning for emergency rooms are they're thinking about and, and they're thinking about the loads of things they may face. But it's harder for them to think about this how do it. I offload what I don't need so that we can focus? You know, the, they thinking sense. what to ramp up, less than what to ramp down, maybe. Yeah. So yeah. I, it's something that I I think part of it is as as a w- one way to be a leader is to kind of just take balls and run with them yourself right. as long as you're checking your ideas with people because other people Need, are focused on other things and they may understand what you're up to mm-hmm. when, the, when they're open to
1: understanding it.
0: Well, that makes sense. I mean, maybe they just need to have somebody triaging these things where you're, if you have the coronavirus or you think that you do and you're severely ill, that's where you're going. You're going to the ER, right? Because they're going to be just ha- taking in an mm-hmm. influx of patients in that area, and maybe there's a way to triage where, where you're talking about like things like I need stitches, whatever gets triaged to another clinical area. There's got to be a way to figure that out. I mean, at some point, yeah. I would imagine, especially some, yeah. some folks get get sick, they're going to be relying more and more on folks like you. If I mean if our ER doctors don't have enough protective wear, our nurses in the you know, eventually we're gonna need more folks that know what they're doing doing these things. I I think that's inevitable. So I think what you're saying is smart. It makes sense right. to me.
2: And, and and what we don't want is to needlessly expose people right. we don't to need- the
0: virus on top of it, yeah. Right.
2: So yeah. so because of that also, I mean, in addition to setting up our telehealth and there's all these political issues with telehealth. I mean, there's a whole like it's it could be a, I mean, it's liability probably issues, probably, you, but it, it, it's um, but um, it, it is just important. Let me just say that I informally, even like there's as a dermatologist, you always have your friends texting you stuff, and let's just say the, the flow of that has increased. Oh, I bet because because people are like, you know, there's some just freaking out, but there's also just people who are like, they would normally do X, but now they don't want to do X, because maybe wisely. So I've been yeah. involved in some... Makes
0: sense. I wouldn't stuff. want to go to the ER now unless I was sick with the coronavirus, I'll tell you that. That makes sense to me.
2: I think that's right. But yeah. if you're having a heart attack, you probably still need to go to the ER.
0: Well, there's... Yeah. You, well, you know, here's in. the other side of that. Uh, not to add one more thing to it. What about these folks that really actually do have other serious emergencies? If if our hospital yards get overwhelmed, like what happens to those folks? I mean, they could also be in many ways a casualty of the virus, even though they don't have it.
2: Absolutely. So in other words, every, like, I mean, one of the, I'll tell you like a one weird tension inside my home right now as a family, and and this then could speak more to your question. So it's like, you know the kids are in, in the house. We're in the house, and there's always a certain little bit of man of like roughhousing and wrestling between the kids because they're kids. Yeah, I've had to respond to it a little differently because I'm like, if somebody really gets hurt, it's a really different calculus right now. Oh, yeah, huge. And, and, and so I kind of want it to not happen. So I'm like being a little more of like an assertive
0: parent that makes sense that
2: I'm used to in terms of like mm, that's not okay. We're not going to do that.
0: Yeah, no, and, wrong. But, that makes sense. But,
2: but but on the in the larger scale, yes. In other words there's nothing, you know, there's some, you know, there are probably going to be fewer car accidents right now. So, so, you know, there's some things about decreased activity and economic activity, which will decompress. And I think some ERs and some of the places i work, they've had this like ear, well, I'm not working here, but some of the places I work, there's this eerie calm thing going on where there's like some weird intense situations. And then some people who didn't get the message who are just like showing up Right. for things that seem trivial. And then, but there's also just less of some stuff because people are like, oh, yeah. That like, makes sense, uh, yeah. You know, Fewer car accidents, yeah. Right, if sense. you take away cars, you you take a, you take just took away a bunch of stuff that ends up in the ER. Yeah, 100%. So, but, but there are certain, th- like heart attacks probably are going to keep happening at the same basic rate. Yeah. And some of them need to, some people with a heart attack end up on a vent. And you're right that there could be a lot of collateral stuff if the system's overwhelmed.
0: So, so sad. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks for uh, talking to us. Um, stay safe out there and keep everyone in your family safe. And we'll um, reconvene in a couple months to see where we're at.
2: Absolutely. And thank you for what you're doing because, like, um, media, and in fact, independent media, is an essential service right now. Yeah,
0: I think so.